This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. I'm Christina Royster. And I'm Yasmin Gagne. And you're listening to Hit the Ground Running, a fast company podcast where we help young professionals uncover how to make it in the ever-changing world of work. On today's episode, we talk about switching careers or evolving our careers. We'll be speaking with Olivia Perez, who's the host of a Friend of a Friend podcast about her transition from writer to media personality. Yes. Do you ever daydream about possibly doing another job? Not to say you want to leave Fast Company, but if you didn't become a journalist, what do you think you would have done? Like this was the job I wanted to do when I was a kid, for sure. But I feel like I'd love to be a movie director, you know? Ooh, that's cool. You know, there's I'm not going to film school anytime soon. It's pretty difficult (laughs) to course correct. Um, And I feel like I did spend a lot of time getting to where I am now. How about you? For me, I feel like if I wasn't working in the media as I am now as a social media producer, then I would probably be more like on screen, like in front of the camera. So I would probably be like a TV personality or something like I I would love to be like Wendy Williams, but not as problematic. (laughs) So you you want to be you want to be like known if I could have like my own daytime talk show, I feel like that would be like my other career in my mind. (laughs) Wow. I could never, I could never. Our producer Franz, shout out Franz, told me that he started out in sales and marketing and it took about three and a half years for him to make that transition into podcast production. And I switched careers. I worked in politics briefly and then was able to move into journalism. And I'm so happy for that, but I feel like it's so hard. Yeah, definitely. Like I remember... Before coming to Fast Company, I was a graphic designer. And I guess design and media kind of do go hand in hand. The transition wasn't all that crazy. But at the time, I was wondering, like, how am I going to go from designer to social media producer? And I guess it all worked out in the end. But like you said, it does take some people years to switch their career and completely change lanes. Industries do kind of gatekeep and it is hard to get into. You know, I was reading about how to kind of prepare to change careers in the Wall Street Journal. And one of the things they said was, you know, in order to find a new career, you know, first identify your strengths and then you got to do some research and like your roles, your salaries, your location. I'm curious, like, did you do that when you were transitioning from graphic designer to your current job? I wouldn't say for this job, I guess I did sort of take a look at my strengths and realized, okay, I'm a great designer, but I'm also a great writer. And that was something that I never really thought about. You know, my mom always said, oh, you're a good writer. Why don't you study journalism? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't want to be a writer at the time. Mm -hmm. But now I realize all along, I guess I have had strong writing abilities. And so that kind of just steered me into this career path. I was such an idiot. So I really wanted to be a journalist, right? And I was like, I'll work anywhere for like whatever amount of money. So oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was today, I was like, also, I had another job on the side tutoring, but I remember like applying to all these jobs. I was like, I'll move to Kinshasa. Like, oh, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I kind of love me as a 24 year old, right? Because I was just so dumb, but I'm... <laughs> thankful that jobs panned out in New York. Yeah, definitely. I I know how you what you mean. Like when you're desperate and hungry for a job, you'll apply to just about anything without even really thinking about, is this what I want to do? And I think that's how some people do end up in jobs that they hate. And then years down the line, they say, 
I don't want to do this at all. I want to switch careers completely. And then it's a little harder later down the line. It's not impossible, though. You know what I find super awkward, though? Have you ever done like informational interviews? Like now anybody who emails me and asks like, hey, can I just talk to you about your job and stuff? I always say yes. Like I'll try and help them or whatever. But emailing someone and being like, hey, you don't know me, but like, yeah, I've definitely done. Do that. you think you can help? I know it's the right thing to do. But it's so awkward. Yes, it's so awkward. Like just reaching out to somebody like cold emailing them like, hey, I want to be where you are. Can you help me get there? But you're so good at that. Like I remember on your first date, you were like, hey, yes, can we get coffee to learn more about oh, your yeah. job? And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, damn, I would never have the courage to do that. Yeah, I guess that is kind of just something you pick up as well as um, what you were saying about, you know, strengthening your skills, taking classes to better prepare yourself to change your career. Those are all things you could start right away. Have you used your network to get jobs? Yeah, I would say so. Like just the other day on LinkedIn, someone that I went to college with, she she cast talent for TV and such. And so she posted she had an opening for it was a non-speaking role. They just needed like a hair model. And I was like, hey, I'll be interested in that. Like, that's totally out of my wheelhouse. Like, are you doing it? I, I actually can't record it. They're doing it the day I, I'm going to be on vacation. But I was like, darn. No. But yeah, that was me using my network just breaking into a different industry, even though I'm a social media producer, I just told y'all I love to be on the camera. So I was like, hey, I'll do it. (laughs) Do you want to know what I posted on Instagram yesterday? Yeah, what? A photo of me holding a bunch of toilet paper and a hammer. Oh yeah, I saw that. I was like, I look like a serial killer. And then I'm like looking at our episode notes right now and it's like, think about your digital presence. (laughs) Like, My God. I mean, but you never know. Let's say that you wanted to be a serial killer. What if you wanted to be, be a, serial a comedy killer? writer? Yeah. I feel like you could be a comedy writer. Yes, you could totally change your no. career to a comedy writer. <laughs> no, I feel like we do have some transferable skills, though, like in our media jobs. That's how you were able to go from writer to podcaster or social media producer to on screen talent. Like, I feel like, as I said, the skills in the media industry, whether you're a graphic designer or a TV writer, I feel like they all kind of go hand in hand. These days, you kind of have to know everybody's job. Yeah, it's true. We do have one thing really working for us. Do you know what it is? Our good looks. We're on the right side of 30. Because <laughs> changing your <laughs> is just easier the younger you are. You know, when I have like, or, you know, inshallah, kids or in a, a mortgage, like I can't get away with, you know, what I've done in the past, right? Like taking that leap is so hard. Yeah, that's so true. Going back to school, like I can't imagine because my mom started out as a teacher and she just wanted more from her career. Like, and now she's actually trying to get out of the education space completely. And she wants to focus on nonprofit. That's kind of tricky as well, because sometimes people can't take that leap and change their career because they're tethered to benefits and and retirement plans. And so they don't want to leave the job that they're in. It's a, it's a comfort zone, right? Switching careers yeah. is just leaving your comfort zone. And so my- Is your mom, yeah, what's she doing? Did she go back to school? So yeah, my mom went back to school and got uh, like a reading specialist certificate or some type of program like that. So now instead of just being in the classroom with a class of 25 students, now she's just a reading specialist. So she gets to just pull students out of the class. So that made her a lot happier because she was like, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. I want to advance my career. And now from doing that to starting her own reading nonprofit, she's definitely kind of in the same education space, but switching her career. Hey, congratulations, Mrs. Royster. That's that's cool. 
That's awesome. But it it took a while, you know. I, like you said, she had two kids to raise and going to school after her nine to five. I, I think I would agree with you. Like right now would be the perfect time for either of us to switch lanes or something. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break now. But when we come back, we'll be talking with Olivia Perez, host of the Friend of a Friend podcast, about her career evolution. So see you soon. This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for coming to our show. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really, really honored and excited to be here. To give you some background, we've been talking a lot about sort of career evolution. So, you know, when you start doing one thing and you kind of expand and expand and expand, and I feel like you're someone who's done that, but I'm curious, like, can you just take us through your career? Yeah, start from the beginning. Since you're broaching that subject, I mean, a lot of the times in interviews, like I skip over like five years. <laughs> so like I, that, that speaks to me a lot because I feel like I started my career when I was 20 and I feel like that was such an interesting and really insightful slash introspective experience because I basically was growing up with my career on social media in real time, which I think was an amazing experience for me, but also something where I was able to just explore so many different things, whether it was right or wrong. If I didn't have those experiences, I wouldn't be where I'm standing right now. When I was 20, I launched a website called Friend of a Friend. I was in college. It was at the peak of the blogosphere days. Everyone and their mother had a blog. So what year What year was this? 2014. Yeah, I had a blog, like 2015. Yeah. <laughs> what was it called? Wait, Christina, what was your blog about? Well, you know how I have another podcast called Young, Black, and Opinionated? It was first a blog called Young, Black, and Opinionated. And then I transitioned to audio. You know... The blog to transition audio. Yes. Seamless. Makes sense. <laughs> Love to see it. <laughs> but so I started that just out of, you know, I had, was born and raised in LA. I moved to New York. And as someone that had just moved, I wanted to know everything. I was so curious about the city, so curious about that really cute mom and pop shop on the corner and was really inundated by a lot of the same places in the news cycles. It was all the same hotels and all the same like glitzy glam restaurants. And as a student, that wasn't really accessible to me. Alongside that, I was also meeting really cool people that just had big dreams as most people who live in the city um, and move to the city do. So I started this blog that was really just like a hub of all the places I was finding. New beauty brand, a fashion designer I loved, new talent that I was like meeting in the city come on and we were doing interviews and something that was really, really in depth with what they loved. For example, I had Simeon Hayes Kadra who are DJs and this was like at the beginning of their career, they would just DJ fun parties. And I asked them to take me to their favorite record shop. And we went through all of their favorite records and the music that inspires them. And I did it on video. And for that time, that felt really new and exciting. It wasn't something that I feel like we had seen a lot of versus now we're inundated with video. That was the beginning of the blog. And I had that for a few years. I'd say I had it definitely through graduation until it was definitely three or four years. And coming out of that, I think I was just feeling really uninspired by the blog by the end because I think that it was something I just naturally outgrew. I was really excited to do more. I had just started writing for Forbes and I was really flexing that muscle. Something that I did that I think I'm really grateful that I did, but was definitely a hard step was I took a year off. I was like, I'm not going to do this blog. I'm going to 
freelance for a couple of different companies, doing different things. I'm going to write for Forbes. I'm going to keep my like hand in the pot in terms of fashion and beauty. And I really just let myself explore because I think, again, back to what I was saying when I was like earlier in this show, starting something when you're 20 and like having that be kind of a forward facing thing. It's definitely something where you also have to put you first and be like, is this not serving me anymore? I'm not going to continue to do it if it's not a part of my natural evolution as a person too. Yeah. When you took that year off, were you like, you were writing for Forbes, what were the kind of other jobs that you were doing? During that time, I was working for Glossier. I was freelancing for them um, in entertainment, which was really exciting because I got a mix of two different worlds. I got to be in an emerging startup culture, which was amazing for someone who is like 23, 24, and really, really learn how to be malleable in that world, but also entertainment, which is a big part of what I do now. And at the time, it felt kind of random. It was definitely a a segue from, you know, having a blog, but I'm so glad that I did it because it was such a growing experience for me in learning how to storytell in a different way. And eventually it got to a point where I was really excited about interviewing and storytelling and wanted to kind of bring that under one roof for myself again. And podcasting, I felt like I almost was having a a secondary moment of like, oh, the blog wave is happening. Okay. And now the podcast wave is happening. Okay. How can I get into that? And I've always been that way. I've always been someone that I feel naturally inclined to things that are exciting and are challenging me in a different way. And is kind of like the wild, wild west and a new territory for me to discover and figure out and bring my own twist into. You know, the biggest thing that I think came out of the blog in the beginning was these one-on-one interviews. People loved them. They were were really excited about them. And that's where I felt like most of my purpose. I was very excited. And it was the skill that I loved flexing the most. It was really a perfect opportunity for me to bring that in a definitely more personal and intimate way on a podcast. And I'm so grateful for all those experiences. I couldn't be happier with what I'm building now. You know, from everything you just shared with us, the one word that keeps coming up is exploratory, exploring, you know, just trying different things and experimenting. And I think it's interesting how when we're young and we hit college, we're asked to pick a career. (laughs) Like that's why some people change. People change their major in college like three, four times. And it's really hard to figure out what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And somebody's forcing me to pick right now. And so I'm glad that you did have those experimental opportunities because That's why we're having this conversation about switching careers. It's like you pick one thing that might suit you in that moment in your life. And then you evolve as a person and your job should as well. Yeah. And I won't lie. I think that there was also an emotional weight to that that I think every single person deals with in their early 20s. Your early 20s are messy. Like you are trying (laughs) a million different things and throwing literally throwing pasta at a wall to see what sticks. And for me, I was doing that in a very open way. You know, I, I was doing the blog. Sometimes I was trying it as a newsletter. And I think just being like vulnerable in that sense and taking people along for that ride of like, hey, I'm 24. I'm figuring out what I like. I'm sharing that back with you guys. And I'm really doing this to see what clicks for me and for my audience that I had built. And I'm I'm so grateful for my audience because so many times I get this DM from people that are like, I've been following you since the beginning and I've loved to see this journey. And Aww. the nicest thing that I... I remember I opened a DM once that was like, it's been so fulfilling to watch your pivot land so successfully to the thing that you have built it up to. So that's always something that feels obviously really nice to hear because it has been a long journey. And I think the feedback of always letting people know in their 20s that it's just a long, bumpy road. 
<laughs> it's inevitable. And technically, when you made the switch from blogging to podcasting, did you know anything about podcasting? Did you know what equipment to get or what software to use? How did you figure that out? Oh, man, I will never forget my first show. I was in the Dumbo location of The Wing in their quote unquote podcast room that was not soundproof at all. And um, (laughs) there was maybe a 50 page booklet that I had to flip through to figure out how to even turn the device on. And it was definitely a learning experience. But I will say that as a podcaster, it still is. You're always learning something new. You're always finding new equipment to use. And that's really exciting because, again, the industry is kind of like the wild, wild west. And you're discovering as the entire industry is. But yeah, in the beginning, I really did try to be scrappy with it, which I think most people do in the beginning of starting a business. The first thing that I did was bring out a freelance producer that was so helpful because I needed that external feedback. I always think that like doing something on your own is never the best way to start. Like always bring someone in that can be a sounding board and help you out. She was so helpful for that time. I would say it wasn't until COVID happened, actually, where the biggest learning curve happened because I had to bring the entire studio in home. And I've never watched more YouTube in my life. (laughs) YouTube University, as they say. A hundred percent. You couldn't pay me to go back to 23. Like, I'm like, literally never again. Yeah, it's a tough, tough, tough moment. Something that's been interesting is, you know, you were sort of very early to kind of social media, right? Or like to kind of build your brand on social media. And we talk a lot on this podcast about the fact that it's so hard to separate work and life, especially when you're kind of on social media. Like I'm on Twitter for work and I'm also like sending things to my sister. And I'm curious, like, how you approach that. Yeah, I think that that was something that took me quite a long time to learn. And in that long time, there was a lot of ups and downs in it, for sure. Because I think in the beginning, I definitely don't think I knew what was happening when social media became really popular and people were realizing that they could brand themselves on there. I think I was just really excited about what I was doing and excited to share that back. And there wasn't really a strategy in that. And I think the moment it became a strategy was when it became really unhealthy for me. For me, I know that Instagram and Facebook and the whole machine is so numbers driven and so analytics and feedback and all that. And for me, that became really toxic for me for a while. And so I've always been the biggest advocate for letting that go. That's how I keep my balance is that I'm not sitting here focusing on the likes and the numbers of it all. I've just always wanted to just be my authentic self and share the things that I love and I'm excited about. I'm not someone that ever like posts just to post to keep my algorithm up. Like that's something I'll never, ever fall victim to. And so keeping that boundary up has really allowed me to have a great relationship with it and engage with my followers in a healthy way because they know that whenever I share something, I'm sharing it because it means something. And one of my questions kind of goes to health, I guess, mental health. When you were switching your career, did you ever have any self-doubt or imposter syndrome as far as I'm not a podcaster, I don't know what I'm doing? Because we recently just had an episode about imposter syndrome. And when I think about, you know, potentially transitioning my career from social media to more of the on-screen stuff, I ask myself, well, I have no professional experience with that. Should I really be on somebody's TV, you know? So I wonder if you went through that. Went through that or going through that? Still, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like I even, for the show, sometimes I'll do a solo episode where I'm just kind of checking in, talking directly to my listeners. It's not an interview. It's not something that they have to sit and listen to for an hour. And even when I'm recording that, I'll sit there and look at my producer and be like, who wants to hear this? And she's like, (laughs) I know the feeling. Your (laughs) listeners. 
And I, so I think that that's something that in anyone in any position, I think we all deal with imposter syndrome to some extent, but I think that it's important. I like having a little bit of that. It keeps me energized in the sense that like, I never get too comfortable with what I'm doing. I always am like kind of chasing the next thing that keeps my head in a good place, but it it keeps me on my toes really. So I think that having imposter syndrome and self-doubt, I think everybody has, but I think both of those things have kept me really motivated to just keep figuring it out, keep trying something new. Because at the end of the day, having that allows me to then be surprised when the feedback is great. And that's something I I always want to keep that energy up and not just expect something. Do you have a mentor or do you have any mentors who you've learned a lot from? And I ask this also because, you know, you built so much of this kind of on your own. Yeah. I mean, I think my friends are my greatest mentors. And that's actually why I started Friend of a Friend was based on this idea that any amazing aha moment I've ever had or any moment where I've been challenged to do something has been in a moment where I'm sitting with my friends in their house, just hanging out on the couch, or I'm sitting at lunch, a great idea comes to light. And I think that that happens because no one sees you better than your own friends. And you have this like incredible ability to just also just be so yourself in those moments that nothing else really blocks your sight of that. So that was like the driving force to starting this was like, how do we have conversations that almost emulate human friendship and emulate connection like that so that you feel that way too and you feel empowered to do what maybe our guest is doing or whatever it is that you want to do. But yeah, I, I always say that like having an amazing group of friends around you is the greatest support system you can ever have. I also say that like my first internship was at Teen Vogue when I moved to New York and my boss there and I, we fostered such a great relationship. She was the one that ended up hiring me for the Glossier job four years later Oh, nice! and continues to be somebody that I meet with once a month and just check in with. And the word mentor, I feel like sometimes makes it feel really heavy and that there's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, in yeah. That. But I think just having those people that have watched you from day one and support you in, in your corner, like to me, that's a mentor. That's somebody that champions you always and will always make that connection for you and will always kind of give you feedback. And I think that's where I found the most success in quote unquote mentorship. We were just talking about how awkward it is. You know, when you're asking somebody for coffee to like learn more about their career or to, you know, make make the ask, you know, when you're trying to pivot. And I'm curious, like, do you have tips on that? Have you experienced it? Like, yeah, like, let's say I am, let's say I'm a nurse and all of a sudden I want to be a podcaster and I really look up to Olivia Perez. What, what would a message like that say? Like, how do I become a podcaster, Olivia? Oh my gosh. You know, when you're asking people for career advice and it's like, yeah, <laughs> I think that like, and I, I get this through Instagram a lot. And I think something that's always really challenging is, I mean, first off, sending that message takes a lot of courage. So kudos to you if you get that message out there off the bat. I always say be as specific as possible and ask for a call. For me, I I see so many messages that come in that are like, hey, I just graduated school and I have no idea what I want to do, but I really look up to you and I would really love to meet for coffee and just kind of talk about my life. That to me feels really intense and something that I actually don't know if I could really help with. The messages that I get that are like, hey, I'm starting a new podcast and would love some help with equipment, or I'm kind of dealing with this weird thing with Zoom. Like, I know that you're great at this. Like, do you think you could jump on a call? I'd love to hear your feedback on what's been most helpful. 
a specific ask like that will always get you so much farther because the person that you're asking can better gauge if they can actually help you and go into that meeting prepared to do so. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Olivia. This has been an awesome conversation. I really yeah, thank just you so much. I'm inspired by you totally. Like you kind of just you kind of became your own boss, and I think that's what oh, a lot thanks. of people today are striving to do. You know, we're figuring out our careers. Maybe, like you said, we don't want to be part of this machine anymore. We want to do our own thing. So I think this has definitely inspired anybody looking to take the leap. Yeah, for sure. And if anyone's in their 20s, again, it's messy. But you will figure it out. I love that we just had this conversation because rarely do people ask me about that sticky in-between time. People love to ask about what I'm doing now and how I got here. But I won't lie, like that time was really complicated for me and really hard. And you will get through it and make sure that like, you're, you're really taking note of everything that you're doing because all those tenants will come in later when you're ready to actually do what it is that you want to do. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. It was so nice to meet both of you. All right. So Christina, takeaways, what are you, I mean, first of all, what a great conversation. Yeah. I really enjoyed having Olivia on here. She's so reassuring too. For me, yeah, for me, the biggest takeaway was the fact that when she decided to switch her career, she didn't just just take the leap on her own. She She's told us how you really do have to have a support system and it's okay to ask for help. And your friends can basically be your focus group. If you ever have a creative project you have in mind, you can pitch it to your friends and see if they like it. And you can usually gauge from your friends and your family, they'll give you the real. So what, if it doesn't work with your friends, don't try it with your audience. <laughs> What about you? What did you take away? Uh, My favorite thing she said was about making specific asks. So Mm -hmm. first of all, (laughs) I didn't ask a specific enough question and kind of tripped over my words. But I loved what she said about the fact that when you're asking for help, you want to ask for a specific thing. Maybe you want to ask, you know, to get on a phone call, like just saying, you know, I don't really know what to do. Do you want to get coffee? may not get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I I just really appreciated that because I agree. I get coffee with people all the time and I respond better to emails that are like, I want to do this thing. Can you help me? Because sometimes I can't. And then it's like, I'll forward that email to somebody who can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you knowing how to ask for help will make you get better help in return. Definitely. That was a great takeaway. Now we're going to share our keeping tabs. What am I keeping tabs on? What is Yas keeping tabs on? What are you keeping tabs on? Okay, so I have been keeping tabs on a new TV show called American Horror Stories. This is a spinoff of the Ryan Murphy award-winning anthology series, American Horror Story. So each season of American Horror Story basically had one story. Mm -hmm. But this season... Each episode is having a different story. And this is for all of my horror fans. If you're into this weird, freaky shit, look, definitely check out American Horror Stories. It's on FX, but I stream it on Hulu. All what right. about you? I like that. The beginning of that sounded like you were reading a Wikipedia page. You're like, it is <laughs> it is an American anthology series. The award winning. Anyway, <laughs> I would have should recommend. It's The White Lotus. So many people have been talking about it. It's so good. Jennifer Coolidge, I love you. If you ever want to come on this podcast, like, <laughs> we will take you. We'll, if you read that New York Magazine article about how she pretended she had an identical twin so she could date two guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's a legend. That's she's like, Jennifer yes. Coolidge is a legend. Anyway, The White Lotus, hilarious. She's so good in it, but the whole cast is great. Steve Zahn, Connie Britton, and Natasha Rothwell. It's great. Awesome. It's funny. It's about a bunch of, like, extremely rich white people staying at a resort and there's a murder that happens, but it's also funny. So 
Watch it. It's on HBO. So both of ours are a little We're a little twisted. We're a little twisted this week. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to Hit the Ground Running. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and recommend this show to a colleague or a friend. Also, if you have a few minutes, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're a new show and your review helps others find us. Or you can send us an email at podcast at fastcompany.com. So let us know your thoughts and tell us if you have a question or an issue you'd like us to tackle on the show. Hit the Ground Running is produced by Franz Bowen with help from Blake Odom and with editorial oversight from Kate Davis. 